0: In your life, so I encourage you to go back also, and you can re-listen to the messages um, that are on the The easiest way is the app because they're all right there under the media, and you can just go back and listen to any of the messages again. And uh, sometimes, um, sometimes I'll I'll take notes while somebody is speaking, and sometimes I'll just listen because I want to take it in and hear it and activate. So there are different times called for different things. So. Sometimes I'll go back and then take more extensive notes and then dig into the scriptures and pray about it uh, that way. But anyway, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us to be present with us, Father, to open our eyes that we may understand the things that have been freely given to us in Christ. So, Father, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that our eyes would be open, Lord Jesus. That we would be able to see you, Father, and it would activate something in our hearts to be able to run uh, in our lives, Father, to carry it in our lives, Father. So we want to be transformed by you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Just start out by saying that God is not keeping you in the dark. Uh, he is not withholding secrets from you. Uh, that you can grasp that without finding the answers, okay? There are not mysteries in God that are outside of reach, okay? Scripture says that there is no shadow of turning in Christ, right? And that alludes to like a planet that's spinning, and the light is hitting it on one side, and as it spins... That shadow is turned to the, the dark side. Basically, is not receiving light. Well, that doesn't exist in God because He is light. Yes. Yes. So there's no yes. hidden thing that's going to jump out and surprise you and disappoint you. Amen. Because there's no, there's truly no disappointment in our God that we serve. Yes. No shadow of turning. Um, it's not going to jump out at you. You know, but Proverbs 25, 2 says this. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search a matter out. So the concealing that God does is, it's not so far off that it's not attainable. He says, it's the glory of the kings to search it out. And scripture says, that, of course, you and me are kings and priests in Christ. He has made us kings and priests. So it's our glory to search these things out. Yes, they might seem like they're concealed, but He's given that for a purpose that we seek Him and we actually get the answers, right? They don't remain in darkness or concealed. So that's not to say that we, as human beings, cannot get disappointed. Uh, We most certainly can get disappointed when we fixate our affections In one particular thing, and it doesn't go the way that we wanted it to go. But Jesus has not called us to fixate our affections on any one particular thing. Our affections must be placed only and completely on the person of Jesus. The line between placing our anticipation on a thing and the person can be very thin (laughs) sometimes where we place all our hopes in this thing, um, and not the person. Jesus did not call you to love things or even to be in love with the benefits that Jesus gives us, but with Him. With Him. I believe that the benefits and the fruit of the Holy Spirit flows out of properly aligned affections and desires. In Scripture, we have uh, two desires that... Um, we're opposing desires at war, right, in the world. There's two opposing desires the desire of the flesh and the desire of the spirit. These things are in opposition to us. Galatians five seventeen says it this way. This is not our main text, but just you can write jot it down. It says, For the, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. So the flesh desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another. So the entire Old Covenant, um, the Old Testament, uh, the Old Covenant revealed in the law showed all humanity that um, telling the flesh not to do something bad doesn't work. Right, you can tell the flesh not to do this, you can show what is good and what you're supposed to do, but there's no power in your flesh to do the thing that God is asking you to do to truly be righteous, to carry it out. It can't do it, so the flesh doesn't have that power, it doesn't have the power to produce good fruit. Okay, it's weak, cannot muster what is necessary. To live and desire the things of the spirit so if you put all of your focus on trying to fight the desires of the flesh you will really just excite those desires and strengthen sin uh, so'm I'm, I'm getting somewhere so stick with me I want to set stage for where the Lord wants to take us he wants to take us deeper and further into our identity as sons and daughters He wants to take you beyond the mindset of a debtor, beyond the mindset of trying uh, to make up differences for your perceived failures, whether those are perceived moral failures or faith failures. As we push further into our identities and further into faith in the finished work of Christ, your enemy would like nothing more than you to focus on faith, or your lack of it, or on your fumbles along the way. If that becomes your focus, you end up striving and worrying about a lot of things that you don't need to strive or worry about. (laughs) Your vision is being directed toward things and not toward Jesus himself. Um, How many of you have ever, or how many of you like reading the Bible backwards? I don't know if you've ever done it. But I love uh, doing it. So when the Holy Spirit speaks something to me, uh, He usually speaks with Scripture. Um, He'll give me a word, uh, and it's a phrase from Scripture, and I have to, okay, I'm going to dig in, I'm going to pour into that. So I'll start with that Scripture that He's given me, and then I like working backwards, verse by verse, to see what is building up to this statement. And it's refreshing because sometimes... Uh, as believers, who are in the kingdom, and we read scripture, and we read passages, and sometimes it become, you become numb to what it's saying. Just because, well, I've read this, I've heard it, uh, you know, and so you just rest on what you learned back in the day, and, but the Holy Spirit wants to breathe new life. So sometimes you read it backwards, and uh, you begin to see things a little differently. So we're going to do a little bit of that here this morning. Uh, And we're going to read, this will be our main passage in John uh, 15, John chapter 15, verse 15. And of course, um, we've heard some on on this whole passage as well, Um, but I want to dig in a little bit more. John 15, 15. Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. This this is exciting. (laughs) So, he's saying, you have been upgraded. Okay, It's a huge upgrade to go from being a servant to being a friend. Jesus declares, I have called you friends. A servant is kept in the dark on many things as to the heart of the master, the desires and the thinking behind what the master is doing. Okay, A servant only knows the command and nothing else. A servant works for pay. Uh, they obey in order to get a reward for their time or simply maybe just a meal and a place to lay their head. Um, a friend heeds the desire of their friend. Not out of the need to earn a paycheck or out of the need of a debt to repay their friend, uh, but out of sheer delight to be doing something together for the joy and the benefit of their friend. Yeah. Okay? So friendship in, in the natural is actually pretty rare. Real, genuine friendship yeah. is pretty rare these days. Yeah. So many people are trying to either Earn the respect of somebody, um, or earn certain benefits by buddying up to somebody. So if I can get around this person, um, I can begin to get what they have, and I can benefit in there. And I might then be able to get to their friends, and this person, because they know this person. If I get to know them, I'll get to know them. And so it's that's not friendship, okay? That's uh, Vying for power and importance, right? Right. Positioning, right? I don't know the word for it, but it's just not friendship. friendship. (laughs) (laughs) But that's mostly what goes on in this world today. Genuine friendship is very, uh, very rare. It's not trying to earn the respect or privilege of the other. Friendship is mutual, It does not require a certain level of performance to satisfy the other. So I want to say that as we go backwards to the verse before it. I wanted to set the stage for this verse before So you go back to 14. It says, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Now, if you read this by itself, and if you came to this, Without more of the context of this scripture and what is going on, it may seem to you more of a statement of earning, of even servanthood. If you do this, then I will do this. But that's not what Jesus is saying here, okay? I don't believe that's the way you're supposed to look at it. Jesus is simply showing us what friendship looks like. Friendship looks like delighting in the desires of the other. Doing things or the other eagerly without thought of earning affection or benefits. A friend does the desires of the other without striving or forcing themselves to do it. Okay. Um, When I was in college, I had a good friend and uh, he was a believer. And we we both had a desire to see God move on our campus. We had a desire to see God move in our own lives. So we would often meet uh, before class early in the morning um, and, and just pray, spend time together, fellowship, pray, ask God to move on our campus and move in our own lives. And so one day, you know, we had the idea, hey, let's do a 24-hour prayer vigil for this campus. And um, so, in, you know, in my flesh, my flesh doesn't want to stay up 24 hours. Uh, I generally like my sleep. And I don't do well without sleep. And uh, so it's not something that my flesh, I'm like, yeah, I want to stay up 24 hours and pray. Um, no, that's not, that's not in me. But because my heart was excited about Jesus and moving on our campus, and I'm excited to be doing this together with a friend, um, it was, it's not difficult to say, yes, let's do this. This is great. And because of that excitement and willingness to participate, you know, we were able to bring in others. And, uh, you know, it was a good thing, and it made a great statement on campus, and the Lord used it to minister to many people. And, uh, but it wasn't difficult. When you're in friendship, when you have the same desires, those desires are not a trial. Uh, It's exciting, it's fun to participate. You're moving in the same direction. Uh, It's not a great burden. So I'm not saying that it's always easy. Friendship can be painful, but it is good. When your heart is intertwined with another, your heart aches when the other aches, right? Your heart rejoices when the other rejoices. The closer you are to someone, uh, the easier it is for you to get hurt, okay? (laughs) Because your heart is for them, you want their best, so if they're doing bad, it, it, it hurts you. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so the Father called Jesus to do many things that were not easy. And it did not delight his flesh. But it did delight his spirit. It delighted the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of Jesus and upon him. So we'll back up the verse before it, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So Jesus demonstrates his love for you as a friend by laying down his life for you. He did this not only as a desire to please the will of the Father. Yes, he wanted to please the Father. But he also did it because he wanted to die for his friends. <laughs> okay? <laughs> he wanted to lay down his life for his friends and I can hear, you know, when Isaiah uh, saw the throne of God, and he saw this conversation going on between the Godhead, "Who will go for us?" You know, I can I can hear this in the heavens. Who will go for us? Who will go and lay down their life for our friends? <laughs> and Jesus says, "I will go. I will go. I will lay down my life for our friends." Because even when Scripture calls us apart from Christ, apart from the work of Christ, it says we're enemies. Were separate, were enemies of God, but Jesus could look through His own sacrifice. He could see what He was doing, and He could see that they would be purified, that they would be made like Him, and He could call us friends. He says, "I, I want to go and die for my friends." Proverbs seventeen seventeen says this: A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So we have a friend and a brother in, in Jesus. He's called our elder brother. He, will, he, he is our brother. He loves at all times and especially through adversity. Adversity does not hinder his love or cause him to shrink back and say that the call to love is too great, too difficult. <laughs> he loves at all times. Yeah, Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 says this. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Yes. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, yes. but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now yeah. so some people in our day and time would rather be lied to than told the truth. Yeah. But friendship is not always you know roses and butterflies. It's nitty and gritty. It doesn't hold back in what a person thinks and if uh, flattery is not friendship whatsoever so if there's something off in this relationship there's something off in your friend you have the freedom to say hey you know this is really bothering me this is really rubbing me wrong or i see that this is actually causing other people to stumble i think maybe you know you should look into this you know and there's freedom to be real and express things without the fear of this relationship ending, because you said something strong and clear. You're not walking in fear. You know that your friend has your best interest at heart and you have their best interest at heart. So the things you're saying, even if you rebuke them, it's in love because you know that this is going to help them get beyond a place where they're at currently. Open rebuke is better than flattery and things that's not truly love at all. Kisses of an enemy. So the Holy Spirit is always calling us up, okay? He's calling us to rise up to new levels, to go further, to walk in who you really are. And that's not condemnation. To say, you need to come up higher. You need to step it up here. That's not condemnation. That's saying, I know that you can I see who you really are, and I'm calling you to walk in that and who you really are. Maybe you're not there right now, but because I love you, I know that this is where you're going. So that's not condemnation. And so we have to remove any filter that would say when somebody uh, rebukes us or calls us, say, hey, you've got to step it up. <laughs> we don't take that as condemnation whatsoever. Proverbs 18.24 says this, a man who has friends must himself be also be friendly. <laughs> but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So, uh, this is where I really struggle, of course. I mean, you mean I have to be friendly, you know, to have friends? <laughs> I have to reciprocate, you know? Um, but yes, you do have to be friendly to have friends. Um, right? <clears throat> so I'm working on that, you know? Uh, so, but since when are you always friendly, right? <laughs> when do you hold that standard all the time? Um, no, you don't. Uh, and I don't. So still there's the calling, hey, come on, let's go, you know, it's not always the case. But this is, you know, where grace comes into place, Right? There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Okay, So there is a friend who, even when I am not acting so friendly, um, that friend is still here, right? He's still calling He's saying, hey, come on. Let's go on an adventure together. Get up from your pity party and come with me. We have exciting things to do together. Never mind that you are just weeping and wailing at me and complaining and blaming me for everything. Uh, and lashing out at me, come on, I want to show you my glory and share it with you. This is what Jesus does. Okay, even when we're we're accusing him and we're complaining, he's saying, come on, let's go. Let's get up (laughs) and let's do this because I want to do it together. So do you realize you have a friend like this in Jesus? Jesus is calling you to not grudgingly serve him, while you guess at what he is thinking all the time, he invites you in to partner with him in fellowship and in friendship. So I'm going to back up all the way to the beginning of uh, this chapter, um, chapter 15 of John. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. so you will be my disciples. So Jesus is the true vine, uh, and I believe he's making a contrast as opposed to just the people of Israel being the vine. Jesus is the vine. He is the source. It's not one particular people. Uh, And Gentiles, it says, we are grafted in to this vine. right? Israel was by nature part of this. Promise, yes. but we have been grafted in to the vine. Jesus is the source of life, and we are the branches. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is only possible by being grafted into the vine of Jesus. The fruit of love comes from the Spirit. The fruit of joy comes from the Spirit. The fruit of peace comes from the Spirit. If these fruits are absent. Uh, there has not been a connection made to the vine. Right? If they are absent, gone completely, it means you haven't been grafted in. You'll be taken, taken away and, and burned. So notice what Jesus says in, in verse 7. You know, I started out this morning talking about desires. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. Here we see that connection to the vine... Being grafted in and taking in the abiding of the Holy Spirit and walking in the awareness of the love of the Father produces this thing called desire. Okay, He says that we will ask what we desire and it will be done for us. So this is the desire of the Holy Spirit in you. Producing fruit in us. Now, because we have been grafted in, Jesus is attuned to our desires. So there is a friendship going on here. The Holy Spirit in us calls to the desires of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and there is a mutual fellowship. Okay, our desires are being shifted and have been shifted. So I'm, as I you know meditate on this, on uh, this friendship with Jesus, you know. I heard the Holy Spirit, you know, just ask me, what do you want to see? (laughs) And I kind of was taken back a little bit. What do you want to see in the world? What do you want to see in this situation? Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit in me. And there are desires that are cultivated in me by the Holy Spirit that Jesus wants to answer. And He's waiting and eager for us to ask him, Oh, I want to see this happen in this person's life. I want to see this happen here. What do, you, what do you want to see? Jesus is excited for us to give voice to the desires the Spirit is welling up inside us. He is eager to join together with us and to see his love and power pour out around us. He says, It shall be done for you. This is now mutual friendship. So Jesus says, I have commands, so you're my friend, you're doing whatever I say, and now, wait a minute, I'm your friend too, because you get to ask me, and I get to do it too. This is a mutual relationship going on, friendship going on here. Jesus loves fruit, okay? But fruit is only fruit when it is born out of the right kind of desire not out of duty or compulsion or out of debt. The right kind of desire is called love. (laughs) Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. So, falling into line with the law, trying to be the people of God, that does not benefit you. It says here, but, but faith working through love faith working through love. Both are needed. Scripture says that the demons believe and tremble. Right? Yes. So they have some kind of faith. They understand the authority. They understand the power. They understand that their destiny is condemnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when he, Jesus is casting out the demons, like, have you come before our time to torment us? You know, they understood. Yeah. They believe. Yeah. Right? Right? But they do not have any love working in them. Okay? They have no love for Jesus. (laughs) So this is fruitless faith. Fruitless faith. So let me try to give an example. Um, If I come home one day to my wife with a bouquet of flowers and um, wait for her to open the door, and when she opens the door, I say, Honey... I brought these flowers for you because I know you expect flowers whenever you're having a rough day. And I know that the duty of a good husband is to bring flowers to their wife. And I'm fulfilling my duty today. Okay? So do you think that my wife is going to be overcome with the awareness of my love for her and be blessed by that? No. No. I mean, she might take the flowers still, but there's no, there's no reward, there's no affection going on there. How about this, honey? I was coming home today, and I was overcome with thanks at the thought of what an amazing woman you are. And I saw these flowers, and they reminded me of your beauty, and I just couldn't help but getting these to bless you and tell you how wonderful you are. Right? <laughs> okay. So, uh, which of these expresses love? Right? So, in friendship and love, desire is not something that you have to work up. It's simply there. And you're not battling, you know, I'm not battling to fight whether or not I should bring rocks home to my wife, right? You know? Like, it's not a tug of war. Oh, I really want to bring rocks, but I'm going to bring flowers. Okay? That's, that's not love, that's, there's something really off going on there, right? Okay, if you have to fight to want to do something good, or want to love, that means love is absent, There's a problem. Uh, your desire is actually simply there to bless her, to love on her. So you cannot manufacture this kind of love, and this kind of fruit, okay? But this is the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit puts into your life so that you can ask what you desire and it will be done for you. So we're going to continue in this passage, uh, chapter 15. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. He says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, which is fellowshipping with Him, understanding His his love for you, enjoying it, proclaiming it. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So all things that he heard from the Father, he has made known to us. He's not concealing, he's not shrouding the Father. It says he is the... The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. He is the fullness, revealing the fullness of the Father. If you want to see the Father, you look at Jesus. He's not concealing or hiding anything. He is the perfect expression of the Father. So have you taken advantage of this privilege that Jesus has called you into? He hasn't withheld anything from you. He is making known to you the very heart and desires of the Father. He is showing you his very nature. He appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that remains. The mutual friendship that Jesus has invited you into involves joyful desires being shared and joyful desires being answered. This is the fruit. Is the fruit of union with the Son and union with the Father. This fruit remains forever. This fruit also what is important about fruit is that it reproduces. Fruit, in a biological sense, in the plant world, is developed out of the plant's flower. Okay, Fruit comes from the plant's flower. And it contains seed. Right, Fruit contains seed to reproduce the plant that it comes from. So with every fruit is contained, the capacity to reproduce the entire living organism... The same thing in its likeness. That's why fruit is so important. (laughs) That's why faith without love is dead. There must be fruit inside it to reproduce life. Okay? We need fruit. (laughs) Reproduction. So when the fruit of the Spirit is activated and it's in your life, manifesting, it's reproducing in others around you. It has the capacity to birth love and reproduce the Holy Spirit in somebody else. Galatians, you know this passage, I want to read it, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You can't make a law to make these things happen. Right. <laughs> you can. We tried that. We did that. We proved it doesn't work. Uh, there's no law for these things. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So those who are in Christ have exchanged these passions of the flesh... These passions for worldly things, the things that are in the natural, the things that govern your body, the things that govern your heart and mind. We've come into Christ and we've exchanged these desires for much, much superior and greater desires. Okay? Greater desires. Contained in this fruit is life and the power to reproduce. This fruit is produced by abiding in the unhindered affection of the Father brought by the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. He's made us clean and righteous, and we can abide in that love. So in coming to Christ, I already said this, we exchange our desires uh, for the Holy Spirit's desires. Today, my whole goal really is to tempt you with far superior desires and delights. The delights and desires of the Spirit. I want to entice you with the beauty of friendship with Jesus and the glories of partnering with Him in this adventure. So we need to be, you know, Scripture obviously says, God cannot tempt man with evil, right? Right. Right. But He does tempt us (laughs) with the far superior delights of the fruits of the Spirit and the glories of relationship with Him. Psalm 1611 says this, You will show me the path of life, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 36, 8, says it this way. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Now, to the unrenewed mind, these verses could draw someone into any number of directions to fill in the gap of what they consider pleasure to be. Um, but you have sold yourself um, short um, by fixating on, on worldly desires and worldly pleasures. Yes. If that's what you're picturing when you read these verses. You've sold yourself very, very short. Um, God is calling us to be satisfied with far greater, greater things. Amen. So what the world calls pleasures is obviously not what God is talking about here. The delightful tastes of the fruit of the Holy Spirit are so unthinkably delectable (laughs) that we can hardly imagine it. Uh, When the disciples, if you remember, were at the well uh, with the woman at the well, you know, and they were running off to get food, and they were wondering, what is Jesus doing here talking to this woman? And he says, I have food to eat of which you don't know. Okay? They were all concerned about satisfying their belly fixing the problem of their hunger. <clears throat> and he says, I, I have things to eat. You don't know. You're, you're being satisfied with far too little things. My delight is to do the will of the Father. My delight is to partner with him and expressing uh, the love of the Holy Spirit to this woman right now. I get to partner with him, and it is so much greater, so much better than food that you guys are eating right now. This yeah. satisfies me so much more. So these fruits of the love of God flowing in and through you are more full of pleasure than anything this world has to offer. And Jesus invites you into friendship with Him so that you can taste for yourself the joys of fellowship and partnering with Him. It says, Ask that your joy may be full. Okay? Why will your joy be full? Because you will have the realization that God, first and foremost, is fully pleased with you. And he delights to lavish his love on others. And in lavishing that love on others, and letting the fruit flow through you, um, you get to experience God's delight, and God's joy. And it's incredible. (laughs) So as a friend, Jesus' commands are not burdensome. When he says, love one another, our response is not, well, why would I want to do that? Right? (laughs) Uh, No, it's an invitation to taste of the sweet fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation. Okay? Not that it's easy all the time. Um, Otherwise, he wouldn't keep telling us, love one another, love one another. (laughs) It's not because it's easy. Uh, We we have to stuff down the our preferences, our the desires of our flesh, the way that we like things, in order to prefer others above ourselves. Right. So we need these reminders. Love one another. (laughs) Let that fruit flow through you, and to express it to others. We are on time. Okay. I will. Yeah, I'll read this. I know this is uh, like this um, champion chapter, but I I, I do want to read it. You know, it's uh, Corinthians 13. I'm not preaching my whole message on it, but I feel like I do want to read it. But it's sandwiched in the middle of Corinthians 12 and Corinthians 14, which is all talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the moving of these gifts in the body, Okay, and now we, we sandwich this, this passage in the middle of the context of loving and serving the body and how we express supernatural faith and demonstration of the Holy Spirit in the power of this thing called love. Right? And so he's like, all right, I'm going to unpack this thing uh, in the context of this. Right? So he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, But have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Why? Because it doesn't reproduce the life of God, right? It doesn't have seed in it. Uh, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned... But have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things love never fails but whether there are prophecies they will fail whether there are tongues they will cease whether there is knowledge it will vanish away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect has come that which is in part will be done away with now people take this out of context and say well then the gifts have passed yes. away because the perfect has come. No, the perfect has not come. No, yes. This is when we stand face-to-face yes. face yes. with Jesus. We will no longer yes. need yes. tongues. We will no, no. longer no. need no. prophecy. No. Uh, we will no longer need the gifts of the Holy yes. Spirit because we'll be abiding face-to-face yes. with the King on, of Kings. Okay, Amen. This is not about Jesus. the Bible coming and doing away with gifts. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Um, when that day comes, they will abide buy right. these things. Um, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. when we stand face to face. But it says this, but now abide, faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So we have these things working Faith, hope, and love, and you need all three of these things working together, right? But don't don't skip out on the next verse in chapter 14, yep. okay? Because these weren't broken into chapters, right? It was divided right there, and people want to stop right there, okay? So he says, pursue love, and desire spiritual gifts, right? Earnestly, and he goes, earnestly desire that you may prophesy, but he doesn't say. Chuck these things out of the way, right? But in the midst of them, pursue love. Because you're going to see the most, you're going to see fruit and reproduction of the life of God as you're flowing in the love of God, Amen. right? Amen. You, 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 can, you can see things happen, yes, and that's great. But it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit going forth and in you and out of you reproducing the life of God wherever you go? We need these things. and That's why we need to abide in His love, abide in His favor, and allow that to simply flow out of us and enjoy mutual friendship with the person of Jesus. He wants to walk with you. He wants to know what's churning in your heart and in your mind. He wants to awaken the desires of the Spirit in you so that you can call out deep calls unto deep. Alright? The Holy yes. Spirit in you yes. calling out to this Holy Spirit yes. and, and fellowshipping and seeing, oh, this is yes. what God wants to do. Yeah. This is what I want to do because God wants to do it. Yeah. And I get to ask it and see it happen. Alright? Right? You yes. get to see somebody. You get to see the compassion of Jesus pouring out. Oh, man, the compassion of Jesus is moving toward this person. Man, I get to, I want to, I want to say something here. I want to bless this person and see the reproduction power of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in tandem with the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? We need them both in powerful ways, working together as we walk as friends with Jesus. So let's stand up today, bring this, wrap this thing up. Thank you, Jesus. Just a few questions as we... As we wrap this up. Are you walking with the understanding of being a friend of Jesus? Not just you being a friend with Him, He being a friend with you. This is mutual. Do you realize that friendship with Jesus is is mutual and you have unhindered access to the Father's thoughts and desires? Do the fruits of the Holy Holy Spirit excite you and satisfy you? Have you realized their power to reproduce? And what do you desire? And have you asked Jesus these desires to see them fulfilled? Are you living for Jesus out of duty or out of delight in Him? He says, you are no longer servants. You're no longer kept in the dark just doing what I tell you, but I've called you friends. Father, I thank you for the glory that you have brought us into, Lord Jesus, in relationship to you, Father. Father, I ask that you would open our understanding, Father, of walking with you as a friend, allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us and the love of the Holy Spirit to flow through us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have called us in to this relationship. You have called us in to abide in this glory, Lord Jesus. And Father, I ask that... If anyone is struggling, Father, that you begin to shift desires, Lord Jesus, where there are things that are tripping people up in any way, Father, that you would awaken them to the greater desires and pleasures that you have in your Son, Lord Jesus. The glory of relationship and fellowship with you. The glory of seeing your will carried out in this earth and partnering with you to see it happen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you uh, have redeemed us and called us and, Father, would use us and fellowship with us in that way, Father, that we get to participate in that love and that power in this earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you have driven out all darkness, Lord Jesus, for you are the light, Lord, and there is no shadow. And so, Father, when you just speak light and light into every, every situation here this morning, Lord Jesus, and healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Thank just you, Lord, Lord Jesus. Father, I ask that you would... Um, yes. Thank you, Lord. We read it, Lord, that you have appointed us to bear fruit, Lord. You have called us and set us apart for it, Lord. And so, Father, I ask that you would expand horizon and vision this morning, Lord Jesus, to see the possibilities, Father, of what you are doing and desire to use each and every one of the members of the body of Christ here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.